0: Hey there, I see you membership leader. I see how hard you're working over there. I see how you're doing your best to be helpful to your people and for your organization. And sometimes that feels very, very hard to do. What do members want from us? How can we help in ways that don't burn us out or exceed the resources that we have available? In what ways can we make the biggest difference? In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of people and organizations who asked one simple question, how can we be helpful? I'm your host, Joy Dooling, and my business, The Joy of Membership, is all about giving membership-based organizations the structure and supports you need to deliver your best work to members every single day. I'm here to help you because I know that you are here to help them. Let's do that together. Okay, so I have to tell you that this week's bio is probably the first one that actually made me laugh out loud when I read it. I've known Dr. Deb Rotman, the executive director of the Register of Professional Archaeologists for a few months now, but I don't know that I had ever seen her written biography. And I certainly didn't know why she ended up down the research path she chose. Her bio said that she chose her field of research because she had joined the faculty of Notre Dame, and she wanted to know how a university with a French name could possibly be called the Fighting Irish. I mean, seriously, of all the reasons to spend years studying Irish immigration, I never would have imagined that it started with something like that. For now, I'll share that Deb has been a teacher, scholar, and practitioner of archaeology for more than 25 years. She has more professional acronyms behind her name than anyone I've ever worked with. But she's not just smart and qualified, she's just a delightful human being. I invited her to the podcast to talk about how RPA has used certification as a value generator for those who are served by the organization and how the certification is actually making a difference for the field of archaeology. I know that many associations and trade groups are interested in possibly adding a certification program to build value for members. So I think you'll find this conversation with Deb quite interesting. Hey, Deb, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for inviting me. Let's start with you sharing a little bit about yourself
1: and archaeology and how you got involved with this whole RPA thing. Absolutely. So I actually, as an undergraduate, wanted to be an historian, and I thought that I would be spending my life in the archives researching medieval manuscripts and that sort of thing. And then by chance, I took a class in archaeology and discovered that history and archaeology are really great companions because archaeology is the study of the material past. So we're interested in people, both prehistorically and historically. So that could be anything from how they use bone tools to making projectile points to houses and other kinds of structures. Anything that humans made constitutes an artifact Archaeology is not as uncommon as we think it is as an occupation. There are actually, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, there were 8,000 archaeologists working in the U.S. last year, and they work on all kinds of different projects and in different contexts. So many folks are employed by the transportation cabinet or museums. Uh, Tribal governments have their own archaeologists. Of course, professors in academia can be archaeologists. They're also working for electric companies, the U.S. Forest Service, all sorts of different entities. And part of that is rooted in what's called environmental assessment. So there's legislation that requires all projects that have federal money attached to them, whether it's a new highway or the Army Corps of Engineers is replacing a bridge or anything that has federal money has to have an environmental assessment. Part of that is bat habitats and wetlands, but it's also historic structures and archaeological sites that will be impacted by whatever that development project is.
0: I find this really amazing because I truly did not understand that the field of archaeology was so broad, that archaeologists would be employed in so many different places. I I am one of those people who would think that all
1: archaeologists are out there digging up bones. (laughs) Yeah, no. If you think about the transportation cabinet as one example, if they're going to straighten out a road that has no shoulders and is really windy and dangerous, the engineers will actually develop three different possible corridors for that road and do the environmental assessment of each of those options. And then once they have that information, then they make the decision about which one of those is going to have the least impact in terms of cultural resources, environmental resources, and so on.
0: Oh, interesting. One of the things that I found fascinating about the register when I first became acquainted with your organization was the fact that you've really created this organization around the concept of registration and certification. So can
1: you talk a little bit about how Your organization came to that model. So back in the 1990s, there were a number of entities who were interested in hiring professional archaeologists. All those entities that I mentioned before, transportation cabinets, museums, and so on. And there wasn't any process to help separate who was a professional archaeologist trained in techniques and certified in the codes of of conduct and standards of research and so on. And so the register was developed to highlight those individuals and to separate them from people who were maybe doing archaeology with a shovel in their trunk of the car, but they're not professional archaeologists. So that's how the organization began. And in the last 22 years, we've really grown. And our mission is at a very exciting place right now because we're moving into a new era of not just certifying archaeologists and making sure that they meet professional credentials, but we're very interested in professional development, nurturing that new generation of archaeologists that are coming out of graduate programs or undergraduate programs, and developing a path to professionalism for them. And so we're doing a much more active engagement with our registrants than we were previously. And I was hired hired as executive director to be that core person who helps to develop those relationships and bridge the gap between archaeologists and the people who hire them.
0: Now that is one of the challenges that a lot of my clients have had. I've I've had clients approach me about the idea of adding some sort of certification to their association or trade group, but one of the things that they tend to bump up against is, okay, how are we going to get this brand new certification program? How are we going to get it recognized and accepted in the industry because you have to have both things you have to have the certification process and get some people out there who have that certification and then you also have to have the industry accepting it as something that is actually meaningful so
1: I imagine you've given focus to both sides so can you talk a little bit about that yeah, so that's part of the excitement of this new chapter as we're focusing more on developing those relationships on both sides. I think there's been a long standing recognition by archaeologists that there's benefits to being a certified archaeologist that gives you a credential and a status and and kind of a, a it signals your ethical practice. And there are some entities who also recognize the value of a hire having that credential, but we don't have a good sort of link between them. And one of our goals in the year ahead is to, we know there are entities out there who either prefer or even require that the employee has registered certification, but we need to systematically find those people and grow those numbers. So that we can say as a benefit to our membership, I mean, we do already say that the credential gives you a professional advantage. But that would that project of bringing those two together would help solidify our intent behind benefit and make it more tangible. Is that something that up to this point just grew organically, where you noticed that there were
0: entities starting to prefer? credential but you hadn't actually done
1: anything yet to spur that on? So when we started in 1998 we were a very small organization of a few hundred archaeologists it was all run on a volunteer basis we hired a management company to pay the bills and collect dues and that sort of thing and so we have reached a point of critical mass as an organization we have almost 3,700 registrants at the moment and It takes more than a volunteer force and a management company that's a little disconnected from our day-to-day mission to really grow and add to the vibrancy of the organization. So I was hired in April. I've only been in the job for a few months, but part of the objective of hiring an executive director was having self-management gives us a lot more flexibility to pursue strategies that can be useful to not only the entities hiring archaeologists, but our registrants as well.
0: So if there's an organization out there that is thinking about adding some sort of certification or registration as a value add for their members,
1: mm-hmm.
0: are there lessons that you've learned along the way that you can
1: perhaps share? We have just recently developed some ideas around continuing professional development and developing a policy to require Professional education. The technology related to archaeology is changing all the time. We're learning new things through archaeology about the human past. And so it's good to stay current in both the intellectual and the technological arenas for archaeologists. And so I would advise other entities who are seeking to grow in this way to develop a committee as we have, who can be really immerse themselves in the issues and questions and vet the kinds of experiences that we would value our registrants taking.
0: Okay, and then the other thing that I am curious about is how you maintain a high level of integrity in the certification program. Like how, as organization, do you make sure that this doesn't become just a rubber stamp sort of thing and Mm that the registration actually means something?
1: So we have an amazing registrar, Dr. Christina Kilgrove, who's out of North Carolina. And Dr. Kilgrove's objective is to evaluate credentials. That's her job, to look at the kinds of formal training an individual has had that could be through education or taking a a workshop through a consulting firm or something like that. But she is the quality control person on the front end, making sure that the folks who come in for certification are truly qualified to receive the RPA stamp of approval for being Certified Registered Professional Archaeologist or Certified Registered Archaeologist. Uh, We have two different tiers now, so we've got longer-term experienced folks on one end, and then that new cohort that's coming in and growing as a professional.
0: I think that you've given people a lot to think about (laughs) if this is something that their organization is just starting to explore. There are so many layers to it. Just one last question. Tell me what you're excited about going forward.
1: What we're really excited about is the change and growth that we're experiencing right now, that we've become more than just a registered professional archaeologist. We're now a community of really active, engaged archaeologists who are committed to a core set of principles and ethical standards. And so going into the next chapter of the register is going to accentuate and grow and develop that kind of dynamic and be a much better service for our registrants.
0: That's awesome. I love that, Deb. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story. Joy here, back with just a few notes about this week's episode. You know, As I was talking with Deb, I was thinking about several other clients that offer certification programs. And while they all have different variations, it occurred to me that there are really three common threads that seem to elevate their certifications to be a valuable part of the experience that they're creating for members. First of all, the certification is aspirational. It feels like it has to be something that members see as an achievement or a resume builder. They have to kind of get something out of it at the end. It's essentially a stretch goal that not everybody is going to meet and not everyone is going to be committed enough to get through the process. I think that aspirational nature of the certification is one of the things that adds to its desirability. So the second common thread seems to be that the certification is meaningful. You know, we've all seen those directories where you can be listed among the who's who in the XYZ industry. And I think most people nowadays realize that those are simply vanity listings. You know, maybe if you're outside the industry, you might not recognize that. But if you're an industry insider, you know which listings actually matter. And if it's something that all somebody has to do is pay the fee and they'll be listed, that's not going to have as much meaning as a certification program that has high standards and that you actually have to prove that you meet those standards with the right documentation. So then the third common thread that I've noticed is that the certification is recognized in the industry. Now, I alluded to this a bit in my interview with Deb, and it probably feels a little like a chicken and egg situation when you're just starting out to create a certification. It would be hard to achieve recognition in the industry until you've reached some point of critical mass where enough people have received the certification for it to be noticeable. Now, if you're interested in learning more about certification programs, I'd encourage you to look at three specific clients that I know are doing certification programs. Check out Deb's organization, of course, the Register of Professional Archaeologists. Also, the Tile Contractors Association of America comes to mind. They have a Trowel of Excellence program, And then the Wilderness Education Association would be a great third option to look at. They have six specific education components that they've built their programs around. And I know they require a pretty extensive portfolio to be submitted as part of their certification programs. All three of those would be great to take a peek at if you're interested in possibly adding certification to your member experience. So those are my thoughts about about certification. I hope that you have found this information helpful. And I would love to hear from you if you've been offering a certification program that you think has you know, really brought value to your members, or if this is something that you've been thinking about, reach out, connect, tell me about it. I would love to hear your story. If creating an exceptional member experience is something that you believe is important, I invite you to check out the Member Experience Makeover, my signature program for experience design. This program is specifically for those of you who are running associations, trade groups, or membership-based nonprofits, and you really want to connect with what members need from you in every step of their journey with your organization. This program is where I gather you through a deep assessment of what's currently happening in your membership. And we plan exactly what needs to happen in order to fill those growth gaps and build on strengths. You can see all the details about the program at joyofmembership.com slash makeover. And there's even a little gadget there on that page to submit any questions you might have about whether the program is a perfect fit for you or a member of your team. Check it out. And I hope to see you in there real soon. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you, That there's a free one page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey. So you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.